Hey now, hey now, hey now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line as my voice is cracking starting this video today. It is January 27th, 2021, so glad you are here to watch this video. And my friends, we have an exciting announcement to make. We after trying so hard for so long, to have finally reached the milestone we've been trying to get to. That's right. We have finally reached 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, which will do wonders, absolute wonders for this podcast and this show here on this website at least until they shut us down thank you thank you thank you okay thank you okay that's enough okay thank you Super excited to be at 1,000 subscribers, and thank you to all you guys that have pushed for so many weeks to get us there. Uh, that's obviously not where we want to stop, but that is the first milestone that we really had to get past for, uh, one, monetization, but two, really what we're worried about is getting put in the algorithm so people are randomly seeing us on YouTube, because... You guys can only do so much. We we do what we can to use as many avenues as possible to get the word out and uh, let people that already have some sort of contact with us know, hey, we got a show here, we want you to watch it, so on and so forth. Uh, but that, that only takes us so far. So this is a good thing. This is going to get us... Um, in front of some eyeballs, and and that's all we're worried about. And it's more than just this show. It's really the message that we want people to see and understand, especially at a time like this, when there's so much uncertainty ahead of us in the next two, four, maybe even eight years. Maybe forever. Who knows? But we got a lot of work to do, as I've told you guys time and time again, and we want to try to... Um, make sure we get it right now what you guys if you're wondering well what can i do now to help the best thing for you to do is every time you're watching one of these videos and i know all y'all don't consume this show on youtube but if you do and you're subscribed the best thing for you to do is click like and comment for whatever reason anything i see in here agree disagree yeah there's something in here i missed because i'm going to see all those comments if there's anything about the show any reason to comment just get down there and comment you can just say hey love this show i hate this show this show sucked whatever the more comments you put the more activity that's going on on these videos the more likely it's going to be popping up in people's suggested videos and that's really what we're looking for so y'all make sure uh Make sure to do that. I, I may even throw questions out there from time to time. I want those of you on YouTube to hook up, hook me up and uh, give me an answer or suggestion or 
Whatever the case. Whatever the case is. Also, another bit of news, and I know it... Here's the thing. In radio world, people would tell me to steer away from this stuff because, for the most part, it only concerns me and my own interest. But I'm like, and this is the kind of stuff that I, I talk about, not on a regular basis, but I periodically talk about it because it affects me in a big way. And you guys, to an extent, well, y'all care about what affects my life, don't you? Like Bucky's or getting married or the fact that today is P. Diddy's birthday, which it is. He's the big number 11. So there's your first chance to put a comment on the on the video. Wish him a happy birthday. But one of the big things I woke up to this morning was the unofficial announcement that the University of Tennessee football program has hired a new football coach and um maybe i'm pessimistic maybe i'm maybe i'm just trying to be hesitant about getting excited because we as a university have been burned so many times but new athletic director danny white who came from ucf central florida has made a hire, and that hire is his former head football coach, Josh Heispel. Now, Josh Heispel is uh, not a big-name coach. If you ask your average college football fan, what do you think of John Heispel, they're probably going to say, I don't know who that is. But on the other hand, if you ask them, Hey, does UCF, which is where he's leaving, is UCF a good football team? Do they have a good program or no? Most people would know, yes, they do. And they, in fact, do. Um, the reason they would know that is because they put themselves into the headlines because, uh, what, a few years ago, they claimed a national championship because they went through the entire season and didn't lose a game but never got the opportunity to play in the college football playoffs so they're like well you know what if that's going to be the case then we are um we're just going to claim the national championship but nonetheless i don't know what's going to happen hopefully hopefully it will turn out good uh maybe it'll turn out and we get tennesseed yet again as we have for the past decade but y'all know my stance on it. I just want my kid to be able to see a good Tennessee team. And that's going to be, it's it's going to be a handful of seasons before we see that. Because since we were stuffing money into McDonald's bags and giving them to players in order to recruit, we're probably going to be in a little bit of trouble. But that doesn't mean we can't build a good team along the way. Anyway, it's not a sports show. I realize that. Skip over this part if you have to. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Now, I do have the one and only P. Diddy in studio, and I'm, I'm assuming he'll come over here and talk to me since he walked in the studio. We'll see. Grab that, grab that microphone right there. I just want to ask you a couple questions, okay? How does it feel this morning being... Hold on. Let me move this real quick. There we go. Come over this way. See, I'm giving you some room here. How does it feel being 11 years old this morning? Not 11 yet. You're not 11 yet. No. Why? I 
because I'm not 11 till like 3 o'clock. Was it 3 o'clock? It's like 3.30. I thought you were born at like, uh, at like 5 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. Do we need to check on that? I mean, that is kind of important. We do want to know like when when exactly you were born. But I, I was assuming it was super early in the morning. It's been 11 years ago, so I can't remember. But you don't feel any different Mm-mm. at all. Mm-mm. What do you plan on doing this year as an eleven-year-old? Same thing I did last year. <laughs> Same thing you did last year. You're gonna um. You're gonna go to college or something. Maybe buy a car. I want a car. You want a car? <laughs> yeah. Maybe somebody will get you a car for your birthday. What kind of car do you want? Uh, Lamborghini. Lamborghini. Good choice. That's a good choice. Uh, You and I were talking last night about possibly doing a podcast together. And this is this is something that you guys that are watching this video on YouTube, you can go down and comment and tell, tell us what you think, if it's a good idea, and if you do or if you want to see it, what kind of you would like to see. If P. Diddy and I maybe... Once a week, twice a month, something like that. I sat down here in the studio and did a uh, a podcast. And it wouldn't be a political thing. We would just maybe pick three random topics and talk about them. We may do some reaction videos or whatever the case is. But if we did that, would y'all watch it? And what would you want to see? What would you want to see uh, P. Diddy and I talk about? Because we're about to take the studio uh, soon, and we're going to arrange it, rearrange it a little bit, to where we can have kind of a a good setup to put two, maybe even three hosts in here at one time. To have kind of a, almost like a round table type thing. We're going to work on that, but if you want to see that between... P. Diddy and myself, let me know in the comments, what would you like to see? Um, I think we could be pretty funny. I mean, I'm a funny guy. You're by default a funny guy because you're my kid. And so um, it could work out. I appreciate you, uh, you stopping by. Happy birthday to you, by the way. And tell, go ahead, everybody, you're going to get tons of birthday wishes on Facebook and YouTube and everything else. So go ahead and tell everybody thank you for that. Premeditated thank you to everybody. Okay, I'm done talking about myself. Let's uh, let's get to it. Before we do, let me tell you about Vapor Forge out on 280. My good buddies at Vapor Forge, these guys are numero uno in the business especially if you are in the birmingham area you know they've got every vapes thing and whatever that you need every device every juice every coil you can think of whatever whatever you need they have it but i want to point out what they have outside of the realm of vapes now for those of you that use uh, CBD products and stuff down that trail, they've got plenty of that, but they've also got a product called Delta 8. Now, Delta 8 is 
kind of like CBD, but it's a lot stronger. So it's it's a form of of cannabis that has those same benefits, and it is 100% legal. And they've got it in almost any form you can think of, whether that's gummies or you know, Rice Krispie Treats, any kind of edibles. They've got stuff where you can vape it, whatever. Everything you need. I'm telling you, at the very least, I want you to go by there and at least see what they got. Make sure when you stop by, you tell them, hey, I heard you guys on Over the Line on the podcast with Andrew McClain. Out on 280, there was some Bailey Brothers, 4673 Highway 280 East in Birmingham. If you need the number, 205 874 9010 that'll get you in touch with those guys so they um at the very least they support this show so go hook them up and support them they would greatly appreciate it as i would yesterday on yesterday's show yesterday we talked about how the Democrats have this view that being patriotic is wearing a mask. Being patriotic is doing what the government tells you to do. Being patriotic, according to Democrats, is doing what the government tells you to do. Like wearing a mask. Well, now the government is letting you know that, really, if you're just wearing one mask, it's not going to be enough. You really should wear two masks. Then they thought about that for a second. They're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe two masks aren't enough. If you want to be a super patriot, you need to wear three masks. That's right. If you're not wearing three masks, when you go to the grocery store, you don't really love America. You're not a true patriot. So y'all better mask up. Half y'all gonna be looking like this guy right here. Once you got your three masks on, look at that. You're gonna be looking like one of these people with these leather bird masks. I couldn't imagine, honestly. I couldn't imagine having to be one of these mask people. Like, you have to wear a mask everywhere you go. You're just, like, super... You hyperventilate at the thought of crossing somebody without a mask. That's got to be the most miserable life to live. In constant fear of something that you can't even see. Constantly scared. So you're wearing three, four, five masks. It's got to be exhausting. But there's people out there like that. Y'all see the videos all the time. People all about all about the mask. Speaking of COVID, I also saw a tweet this morning or an article from one of our local papers. Now, let me let me set the stage because we've got a lot of non-Alabama people. A lot of non-Alabama people that watch the show. We've even got some international people that I noticed subscribed last night. Um, remember in Tuscaloosa with Alabama in the national championship, Alabama and Ohio State, what was that, just a week, two weeks ago? At the end of the game, Alabama wins and celebrations ensue on the strip in Tuscaloosa. It's a college town. Their team just won the biggest game of the year. 
So what are college kids going to do? Well, they're going to go and celebrate, right? So that's what they did. Now, I will admit, it was a little shocking to see this many people out in the street celebrating. And not because of COVID, but just because we're not used to seeing that amount of people. It's It's been a while since life was normal, and, and, and we would see this after a big football game, right? But according to WBRC, there were concerns after we saw those images that there was going to be this huge COVID spike in Tuscaloosa because of that moment right there. There was barely a mask to be found in that crowd because everybody was uh, lit, everybody's drunk, having a good time, just celebrating their team. I said, oh, Tuscaloosa is going to be destroyed by COVID because all these kids were crammed in the streets, breathing on each other, spitting on each other, just, ugh, COVID flying everywhere. But they are now reporting there has been no huge spike in COVID cases after the national title celebration. Now, I'm no scientist, but if I'm to believe everything I've been told thus far, even up to you've got to wear three masks to be able to protect yourself, this is medically impossible. This is a medical miracle that there has been no huge spike in COVID-19 in Tuscaloosa. A miracle. How did it happen? We'll never know. We will never know. The football gods had blessed Tuscaloosa and wiped COVID from the face of the town while they celebrated the national title. But in places like California and Chicago, where they were all literally locked in their homes, they, however, continued to have rising cases. It's weird how that works. I was thinking, maybe, because this seems to be the trend as of late, since Joe Biden had been inaugurated, COVID is all of a sudden not as big of a deal, and the numbers seem to be getting better. You're seeing governor after governor after governor, Democrat-run states, say, well, you know, it looks like we're doing pretty good now, so we're going to start backing off some of these restrictions. The latest one was Phil Murphy out of New Jersey. He's like, knock on wood, but it looks like we're plateauing now. It's only downhill from here. Gavin Newsom, Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago. They're all like, okay, well, it seems like it's getting better now, so we're going to start opening stuff back up. Maybe, just maybe, and hear me out, Joe Biden becoming president is exactly what we needed in the response to COVID-19. Is it possible that Joe Biden went across the country and sniffed up all the COVID-19 particles in a selfless act of leadership to save the lives of the citizens that he serves? That's why we're opening back up. It's not because they just wanted to stay closed for, uh, you know, to, to hurt the economy while Trump was in charge. 
It was literally Joe Biden. He went around the country sniffing up all the COVID in order to save people like you and me. And we owe him a debt of gratitude for that. The sniffer-in-chief. Sniffing your way to success. Sniffing for America. That's Joe Biden. You should be proud. So. <laughs> but for real, y'all get y'all get your three masks. I better not catch none of y'all out there with two masks on. And if you got four masks on, then uh, I'll give you a high five. With my... Um, <laughs> with my lunchroom gloves on. I won't catch the COVID from you. Three, four masks, that's that's only appropriate, so y'all make sure y'all are uh, you're doing that. Let's move to the legislative side of politics real quick. As Democrats push for a second impeachment, well, we technically got a second impeachment. Um, the House voted just, what, a week ago to impeach a private citizen, Donald J. Trump, That then moves on to the Senate, just like it did last time. And then the Senate has to vote to convict. Now, I think I explained this on another episode, but there's there's two parts to that. You have to convict on the impeachment part. Then there's got to be another conviction after that in order to keep him from running for office again. Which, if they vote to impeach increases the likelihood that they'll vote to make sure he doesn't get back in. And that's a tough spot for Donald Trump to be in simply because we know that there's Republicans that don't want to see him again. They didn't like the fact that he came in there and shook everything up. They are elated at the thought that we are back to business as usual. That's why they got in the business. I mean, if we're being reasonable... If we're being practical, think about it. If you're a politician, you may not have the best of intentions, but you got into politics because you're thinking money, you're thinking power, you're thinking you've got an important job and it puts you high up in society, right? You get up there, you're sticking your chest out because you think you're oh so important now. You're in Congress for two, three, four years, and then Donald Trump shows up. And he says, the way y'all been doing stuff up here, we're not doing it that way anymore. We're switching it all up. We're working for the people now. Well, you, the congressman, you didn't go up there to work for the people. You went up there for money and power. So even though you're a Republican, even though you're a member of the GOP, you don't like Trump. Because you put in all this hard work to get a job that you liked for these particular reasons, and Donald Trump showed up and took them all away. That's why Donald Trump has got Republicans that don't like him. Because they're just as corrupt as the Democrats are. But, there may not be enough of them. In the early days, when House Democrats announced impeachment and got ready ready to send it over to the Senate, they do, they do this whole... This whole uh, uh, ceremony almost where they physically hand deliver articles of impeachment to the Senate. Y'all remember when they did that the first time 
it was actually um, pretty funny. And we used to joke and we say, here is Nancy Pelosi delivered Donald Trump's re-election papers, which obviously didn't happen, but we didn't anticipate a, a scam like we saw on November 3rd. They would slowly walk them through the halls of Congress over to the Senate and lay them down on the desk and be like, here you go, impeach the president. I'm going to see if I can find a video of it. Delivery of articles of impeachment. Give me a video. Let's see here. After impeachment of real Donald Trump, Speaker Pelosi not commenting on the timetable. Okay, these are all... These are all old ones. They don't have a new one up. But, in fact, they did. They delivered them. Oh, here's a photo of them doing it right here. Delivering the articles of impeachment. There's uh, Eric Swalwell. He's one of the most slimiest people in all of Congress. I don't know who the rest of these people are. But I'm sure they're slimy people as well. But they did. They took them. They delivered them to the Senate. They said, here you go. You'll uh, get after it. Now, the Republicans all of a sudden grew a backbone and started pushing to dismiss the ability to impeach the president because they say it's unconstitutional. And really, there is a, a great argument to be made on that front. Because the person that's supposed to preside over these impeachments is the chief justice of the Supreme Court, and that's John Roberts. John Roberts is a few refusing to show up because apparently he thinks it's unconstitutional. But that's neither here nor there. Those silly stipulations have never stopped, you know, the Democrats in the past to uh, of, of doing what they want to do. The Constitution is nothing more than just a silly piece of paper to them written by old white people, some of them own slaves. They wanted, a handful of Republicans wanted to stop it from even being considered in the Senate, but as of last night, it seems that the Senate overall, and that's because Democrats have the majority, have rejected the effort to dismiss that second impeachment trial. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to get through. I think you've got enough, more than enough, Republicans that, are like we're not we're not going through with this charade. Now, before now, two weeks ago, week and a half ago, I think you did have enough Republicans to at least make it close. Mitch McConnell even gave it the green light and said, "Yeah, we'll do it." What? You want to talk about destroying your party? And they realized that. As time went on, as, as, as the week went by, they started to realize they're underestimating the support that former President Trump has. And that they will demolish their own party if they turn their back on Donald Trump in that fashion. They can't do it. It would be as disastrous as starting a second conservative political party. It would be just as bad. It would actually probably, one would probably cause the other. If they did that, 
people would break off from the Republican Party and start the Patriot Party. There's tons of people out there that want to do it already. They're just not thinking it all the way through in the sense of it would divide the party and make sure Democrats stay in power. The Democrats have a shrinking base. I realize they got 81 million votes, but they don't have 81 million adamant, enthusiastic supporters. They just don't. Republicans are building and building and building a base that is diverse, that ranges from race to gender to age across the board. And they've got to continue to build on that. But the GOP has to embrace Donald Trump. They don't have to uh, uh, sit in his lap like Santa Claus and tell him what they want for Christmas. But they can't dismiss the guy. They've got to understand how much people loved him and how much people felt like he was the first politician to ever fight for them. Now, every politician has said they're going to fight for us. Everyone has blown smoke up or hanged in time and time again. But he was the first one to actually do it through his actions. He was the first to show us by his works that he cared for us and not just by his words. He made some tall promises on the campaign trail. Tall promises. And most of us thought, well, we're going to vote for him, but uh, that's a tall order. I don't know if uh, I don't know if you're going to pull that off. But he did. He pulled it off. You don't get that kind of support by breaking a bunch of promises you made on the campaign trail. He said he was going to do something, and he did it. Think about all the things that he was told it'll never get done. I mean, starting with becoming president. There's montages all over the uh, all over YouTube with people saying Donald Trump will never be president. There will never be a president, Donald Trump. He did it. Donald Trump will never build a southern border wall. He'll never bring back the economy. He'll never bring back manufacturing jobs. The stock market will crash. Over and over and over. And he defied all odds. Lying in a den of snakes. Surrounded by a cabinet. That was constantly stabbing him in the back. And setting him up for sabotage. Being spied on by his enemies. And he was still um, able to accomplish these amazing feats. Over and over and over again. Just from the simple fact, not from the accomplishments, but from the fact that those things were accomplished while all the backstabbing and all the sabotaging was going on. That's the most amazing part of this guy's legacy. There's nobody else that would have pulled that off. Absolutely nobody. And yet here we are in a time where our government... Instead of working on a COVID-19 
pandemic that they claim is so devastating, they're attempting to impeach a former president. Remember that when you ask yourself, what are the people I elected doing for me? Here's what else they're doing for you. Nancy Pelosi, soon after Joe Biden was elected and she realized that the House would remain in Democrat hands, they started pushing H.R. 1, the first bill of this new Congress. Now, do you want to know what is in H.R. 1? Well, let me tell you. Let me give you the fluff piece, which is how they phrase this stuff. H.R. 1 ensures that American elections are decided by American voters without interference by enhancing federal support for voting system security, particularly with paper ballots and also by increasing oversight of election system vendors and by requiring the development of a national strategy to protect U.S. democratic processes. Okay. (laughs) Now... You read that and you're like, well, I mean, that doesn't sound too bad until you realize what it actually means. They put this, they, they, they write this stuff up in a way to make you think that it's going to benefit the security of the election. That's why they put in things like, uh, you know, ensuring and enhancing a protected election with paper ballots and also the oversight of election system vendors by the federal government. What they mean by that is instead of states being able to run their own elections and decide their own election laws, which constitutionally we know should go through the people voting for the legislators, And then the legislators deciding what can and can't happen during elections, which that was totally uh, subverted in this past election. Instead of doing that, that we need to just have this big, broad list of rules for elections for all 50 states. Don't let states run their own elections. Let the federal government say, this is how everybody has to vote. So what would that look like? And, and, and what does that look like according to H.R. 1? H.R. 1 tells you that federally, across all 50 states, you wouldn't be able to ask for an ID. That's correct. You wouldn't be able to ask for an ID for people showing up and voting in person you would not be able, it would be illegal to ask for an ID from someone who is requesting an absentee ballot. It would also allow ballot harvesting, which means anybody and everybody can go by people's homes, apartment complexes, subdivisions, pick up their absentee absentee ballot, their mail-in votes, and go dump them off at the post office with zero oversight what happens between that person's house and the post office. It also means expanding mail-in voting to an unprecedented level, even by 2020 standards. 
That's what H.R. 1 is. It is a bill designed to make sure Democrats never lose power. It is a bill to make what we saw in 2020 the law of the land. They seem so concerned with the reaction to what happened in 2020. And they place the blame on two people, Donald Trump and QAnon. But they place zero blame on themselves for how elections were conducted in those handful of states. They place zero blame on the Pennsylvania and Michigan Supreme Court. They place zero blame on uh, whatever the lady's name was in Atlanta, Georgia, in, in Fulton County that was running through ballots, the same ballots over and over. They place zero blame on the people that were pulling suitcases out from under tables. They only blame Trump and they blame a group called QAnon. Which some of y'all are QAnon people and that's fine. I, I don't... Here's the thing. I'm not a QAnon guy. But I have nothing against QAnon. I think Q people that that do the QAnon stuff, I think they have every right in the world to believe what they want to believe. That is the one thing we as Americans have to hang on to, and that is the ability to think what we want to think, believe what we want to believe, whether that's conspiracies, political ideology, or religion. Government should have no say-so in what's up here. I told you that yesterday. Zero input on what we think. But they're using that in order to come after you and dictate what you think. That narrative was already set in place. That's why they started talking about re-education camps so quick. I think some of these Democrats probably got the green light that they could start talking about that, but they did it too early. They didn't allow them to set the table impound in people's head through the mainstream media that QAnon is the biggest threat to this country. QAnon and white supremacy. That's what that's 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 our biggest threats in this country, according to them. What you think is a threat to this country. That should scare you. I said it yesterday. But that's 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 where they're going with it. They don't blame anything that happened in the election. They only blame Trump and they blame QAnon. They're, and they're really not even in the realm of the election. They're only worried about what happened at the Capitol. Where some officers were injured. A protester was shot and killed by Secret Service. And then a couple of other people committed suicide which nobody's talking about and I find highly questionable. Anytime there's a suicide with those type of circumstances, it should be heavily investigated. So their version of election integrity is to do this. House Resolution 1 for this new Congress. If they get this through, it will completely, completely obliterate our republic in our our elections process. It will obliterate it. Stack the Supreme Court 
add two new states, do it all. It won't matter at that point. This would be a devastating blow to democracy. This would be a devastating blow to this republic. And it may be irreversible. Maybe. Maybe maybe it's not. I would like to think it wouldn't be. But I just hope there's people in Congress, especially in the Senate, that stand up and say this is too far. We've got to understand why people do not believe the election. Because if you understand why people don't believe it was a legitimate election and you're wanting to do something about this, you would kill that bill immediately. Outside of HR1, Joe Biden doing a lot of executive orders yet again. He's just flipping right through them. And this this really goes to what we said Joe Biden was going to be doing. He was going to be a figurehead. He was just going to do what he's told. Now, we should all collectively believe that Joe Biden has not read one single executive order that he signed. He's got a book. He opens it. It's got a title at the top as to what the executive order is. He reads it to the media, and then he signs it and moves on to the next one. He's simply doing what he's told. He's got no clue what's going on. His latest set of executive orders, I mean, we're up in like 20s, 30s, 40s by now, and it's only been a week. As of the recording of this podcast, it's been it, it's been a week as of high noon. His newest four executive orders, he's directed the Department of Justice not to renew contracts with private prisons. He's ordered the Department of Housing and Urban Development to fully implement the Fair Housing Act requirements, which is something he's taking credit for that doesn't belong to him. He's pushed federal agencies to engage more regularly and meaningfully with tribal governments, which is all talk, no action. When, when you sign an executive order saying, I'm going to push people to engage more, that's nothing but talk, okay? <laughs> you, you don't have to sign an executive order for that. You could just do that. You, you could actually do it instead of just making a big production about it. And he's also directed Health and Human Services as well as the COVID-19 Health Equity Task Force to examine best practices to better protect Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders as part of their relief efforts. Now, that language of the Health Equity Task Force Not the Health Equality Task Force. The Health Equity Task Force. Google those two terms. Google equity and then Google equality. And look at the difference in those two. And then we'll we'll talk more about it tomorrow. So he's really concentrating on Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders. And how they can maybe, I don't know, Push them to the front of the line and getting COVID-19 vaccines. Because, you know, the important thing about COVID-19 vaccines is, you know, the color of your skin, right? The color of your skin should dictate where you are in line as far as getting the vaccine. Because if you're white, 
back of the line, cuz. We can't just maybe maybe do it by age, do it by vulnerability to the virus. No, we got to have parts where we do it by, by race. Where you from? What you look like? Your color scheme, if you will. <laughs> He's also signed an executive order. Speaking of Asian Americans. He has signed an executive order banning the term China virus. Okay? Because that's the real threat to this country. The word China virus. According to the left, it comes off as racist. And it marginalizes Asian Americans to make them feel like they're nothing more than a virus. It's a China virus. It's from China. And it's a virus. So it's a China virus. But we've got a president who's trying to bring an economy back and get a pandemic under the under control who is signing executive orders banning words. Words. That's the real battle. The real battle isn't with China or Russia or a virus. The real battle is with the vocabulary. Is with words like China virus. That's what we got to put a stop to. That's the real threat to this country. Top three threats to this country. White supremacy, QAnon, and the term China virus. Got to stop. We have to stop it. Here's creepy Uncle Joe talking about his latest set of executive orders that he is extremely, extremely proud of. Let's see what he has to say. No, well, let let me say this. We've got a crowd cheering. That crowd is not cheering for Joe Biden. That is still the crowd from earlier cheering that we got a thousand subscribers. I just want to make that clear. Racial inequities in America and system, systemic racism that has plagued our nation for far, far too long. I said that over the course of the past year that the blinders have been taken off the nation, the American people. What, Mar- what many Americans didn't see or had simply refused to see couldn't be ignored any longer. Those uh, eight minutes and 46 seconds that took George Floyd's life opened the eyes of millions of Americans and millions of people around all over the world. It was the knee on the neck of justice, and it wouldn't be forgotten. It stirred the conscience and of tens of millions of Americans. And in my view, it marked a turning point in this country. How does it not scare people that this guy seems so fatigued? And so tired. He started to look that way at the end of the campaign trail. Which he didn't do anything. Right? He didn't do like Donald Trump and did four and five rallies a day. He did one like once a month. And then stayed in his basement. For the entire time. But who knew? That all you had to do was not campaign. In order to get the most votes of any presidential candidate in history. We were all, I mean, people like myself have been studying politics for decades. And we were under this false impression that the way you win presidential elections is you campaign 
You talk to the people. You kiss babies. You get out there and you send your message out to the people. But that's not the case. The way to win elections is to sit in your basement. Tree's attitude toward racial justice. When uh, the six-year-old six daughter, Gianna, who I met with when I met with the family, I leaned down to say hi to her, and she said, looked at me, she said, Daddy changed the world. That's what she-, she looked at me and she said, Mr. President, why are you sniffing my hair? Gianna said his daughter, Daddy changed the world. And I believe she was right. Not because this kind of injustice stopped, it clearly hasn't. But because the ground has shifted, because it's changed minds and mindsets, because it laid the groundwork for progress. COVID-19 has further ripped a, a path of destruction through every community in America, but no one has been spared but the devastation. This, this is where Democrats get themselves in a catch-22. And fortunately, the low-information voters that they feed on, they never catch this. But they try to be inspirational and talk about how this country has has moved in a direction because of instances like George Floyd uh, that we've moved in, in, in a direction of equality and accepting each other of uh, uh, for who we are, for, for the content of our character and not the color of our skin. And then in the next breath, it'll be white supremacy is very prevalent in this country. And it has to stop. A society, a society doesn't move both ways. If you've got, if y'all are watching me here, if you've got equality and the dream of Martin Luther King, everybody accepting each other, and then you've got the rise of white supremacy, the meter's got to go one way or the other. Both, both of these instances have to go in the same direction. They don't go like this. The, the, you know, the rise of white supremacy doesn't coincide with the rise of equality, okay? The more accepting of each other you have across this country, the less white supremacy you have. But Democrats think they can have it both ways. In their inspirational speeches, they talk about how we're finally accepting each other, but also white supremacy is becoming more important prevalent. It's not. It's not. Here, here's what the problem is. It's not racism or white supremacy that's on the rise. It's people in a generation that has grown up not looking at color in any way, shape, or form being divided on purpose by politicians. So instead of just letting evolution take its place as each generation becomes more accepting of their neighbor, we have to divide those people, keep them divided, and say, well, I know you guys feel like you're on the same page, but actually because of some stuff that happened a long time ago, you actually owe this person something. And then the person they're talking to says, wait a minute, why do I owe them something? I've been viewing this person my entire life as someone equal to me. If they are equal, what do I owe them? Other than just being nice to them like any other human being. And once you do that, you have then decided who's a good guy, who's a bad guy. And you're telling somebody who did not see color, you're the bad guy. Because of something somebody else did. 
decades and, and hundreds of years ago. And then the other person who's been dubbed the good guy says, you know what? That's right. You do owe me. And then guess what? Politicians have effectively divided those people. In communities of color has been nothing short of stunning. Just look at the numbers. 40% of frontline workers, nurses, first responders, grocery store workers, are Americans of color. And many are still living on the edge. One in 10 black Americans is out of work today. One in 11 Latino Americans is out of work today. One in seven households in America, about one in four black, one in five Latino households in America. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Tell them, tell them about the part where black and white unemployment is, is, is the, the gap is, 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 is as small as it's ever been. Tell them that part. He's not going to. Because you got to be in groups. You got to be in boxes. Democrats don't want us to be Americans. They want us to be black or white or conservative or liberal or a Black Panther or a Klansman. They don't want you to be like your neighbor. They want you divided. It's how we divide and conquer. And that's how Democrats win. Democrats. Democrats don't win when everybody's on the same page and we're all like, man, we're all doing good. The high tide is rising all boats. We're all working together on the same page to make a better America. That's not how Democrats win. When a country is in that position, Democrats don't genuinely win elections because Democrats run on gloom and doom. When's the last time you saw a Democrat running a campaign that overall had a message of hope and prosperity and everybody coming together? No, you don't. You never see that. It's always gloom and doom. And if you don't vote for me, it's only going to get worse. These are campaigns of fear. Fear-mongering, scare tactics. That's the fuel that propels the Democrat Party. And it's been that way for decades. I'm out of here. Thank you all again. Make sure you go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Let everybody know about it. The biggest thing right now, like the video, comment in the comment section. That way, we can get propelled to get more eyeballs on these videos. Also, if you listen to the audio podcast, share that as well. Make sure everybody you know can subscribe to that. Make sure you follow us on TikTok, on MeWe, Facebook, Twitter. We're all over the place. Eventually, we'll move in a direction where we're only on MeWe. And hopefully, if Parlor comes back up, we'll, we'll be on Parlor as well. We have an account on there. We just obviously can't access it. But... Add us on all those things and make sure you tell everybody you know about Over the Line because we have got big, big plans about where this show will be going. And until next time, see you, cook!